0: Body. Welcome back to Practice Makes Faithful. We are so glad y'all are joining us today. My name is Ben Patterson, joined here by Paul Hubert.
1: Yeah, uh, good to be here on, on a Tuesday morning, Ben. Yes, uh, which is a yes, little bit different is. for us than uh, than our normal Monday. But uh, excited to talk about what we talked about this uh, this last weekend and and maybe flesh some of these things out a little bit further. Uh, yeah. than, you know, for application in our lives.
0: Today is Season 3, Episode 21, actually the final episode of Season 3 before we take our summer break. We're going to talk a little bit more about that towards mm-hmm. the end of this episode as well. But um, it's also today, final part of that series that we've been in, yeah. in these last days. But before we dive into that, Paul, we had a little longer weekend. We are doing this on yeah, Tuesday because right. we yeah. had Memorial Day weekend, did you all do anything?
1: Well. Um, Y'all would be me by myself. Okay. Yeah, so okay. yeah, yeah. Lori and the kids are out of town. They're uh, visiting her family in West Virginia, and right. so um, I've been flying solo for the last I think five days, and I've got I think like three, four more left, and so. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's that's always interesting, but but fun in a lot of ways. Uh, I actually uh, got our boat out of the garage and took it for a run on the lake yesterday. It had been the first time that it had been on the water since uh, since last November. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, you know, a little bit of fun that way. Um, I I did not grill out, which I know is a big Memorial oh. Day foul. Yeah, yeah that is. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I ended up running out of time for grilling out. So, yeah, so a good, good day, though. Well, I mean, uh, I'd, I'd say fun, relaxing. Uh, it was nice to have a Monday with with little to do and and also Mm -hmm. to kind of have some time to to pause and reflect and and I know we don't probably don't do this nearly enough and probably don't even often do this on Memorial Day but there's so many things about um, you know living in this nation in spite of the political tension that we experience sometimes and the feeling that you know maybe you know from our perspective that that both parties are taking us uh, in crazy directions at times Um, but uh, but man there's still so much to be thankful for Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, there are people whom we've never met, people who went years and years before us, many times, who uh, are part of the reason why why we get to live uh, in in a nation where, for the most part, we're you know we're not persecuted, we're not um, you know fighting to be able to express our our. Uh, our our Christian ethics our Christian values it's getting more difficult there's no doubt about that because there has been a tide that has turned in this nation we'll talk about that more as we go but uh, but there's still so much to be thankful for and people oh, yeah. specifically to be thankful uh, to in that regard and so so yeah I mean I, I definitely spent some time reflecting yesterday on that um, and and then also uh, you know just kind of running around living the uh, the the sort of you know one week single life whatever that whatever that looks like and so uh, eating a lot of sub sandwiches and takeout
0: food that's what there, I you, go. Food. So, there yeah. you go there you go well how about you man mm-hmm. I, I did do some grilling okay I figured I figured you, did. I figured oh, you would yeah oh yeah oh that's you don't a miss great, any tradition <laughs> great pork tenderloins there you go and uh, made excellent. some homemade collard greens mac and cheese all it right was, it was excellent.
1: excellent excellent that is good.
0: But I do. I, I do appreciate what you're saying of like of having that time of remembrance yeah. on Memorial Day as well. I know I was very appreciative for uh, Washington Johnson's thoughts yeah. who yeah. led our communion at church this past Sunday yeah. and kind of helping us. Uh, get thinking in that direction as one who has served in the military and has uh had friends who've lost their lives in that uh, so it was a mean I had some meaningful time of that as well and that was helpful to help in the frame that it
1: is it definitely is
0: all right uh very good hope y'all had a great weekend as well and uh let's dive in okay so let's do a quick recap paul for yeah. this series in these last days second timothy and then right. we'll dive into this week
1: yeah the recap has to get tighter and tighter every week you know as we've got a yes. little bit more to share <laughs> um but uh but i do want to do a, a full recap just touching on things very quickly just because um especially this last uh, episode in the series as the last message on uh, this past sunday as well is kind of wrapping up things and bringing it all together. It's almost like the Apostle Paul is doubling down on what he's already said to Timothy and just giving him reasons for the things that he's been saying. And so, you know, just a quick reminder, Paul is writing this letter uh, from, from a prison cell in Rome awaiting execution. As, as he says in, uh, you know, 2 Timothy 4, he says, you know, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, basically saying right now, I mean, th- these are my last days. I feel myself being poured out. You know, I don't have much left. You know, we're going to get to the bottom of this jug pretty soon, almost, is what he's saying. And so he's writing this from this prison cell in Rome, awaiting execution, probably roughly in the year 66, 67. Um, And there are just things he wants Timothy to know with that as a background. And so that is really helpful to have as kind of a refresher to be reminded that these were probably Paul's last words to Timothy. And so, you know, think about if you were in a situation where you knew you were speaking your last words to someone because it was the last time you're going to see them, you know, in in that kind of scenario, you know, if if Timothy was in Ephesus and Paul was in Rome, they were separated by quite some space. Um, And so, you know, even that, you know, you might feel like, well, I don't know if I'm going to get to speak to you again. And so I'm going to come and I'm going to share you whatever message that, that I have for you that I feel like is compelling, powerful, that is really, you know, burning within me. Uh, but Paul knew beyond that, it was it, he was coming to the end of his life. And so mm-hmm. um, if you had that kind of experience or if you've ever been in that place where maybe someone who is near their last breath wanted to speak some words to you, and I've had several of those experiences in my life, what they want to what they say is almost burning within them they've got to share it they want to share it and so paul is writing these words as that kind of last breath communication to timothy and so he's challenging him again to to fan the spark into flame what that gift that god has put in you that that you know you came to faith by reading the scriptures you came to faith because of your grandmother's faith because of your mother's faith because of the time i spent investing in you timothy so what God has put in you, you work to guard it too. And then let that multiply to others, become a multiplier of disciples. And so Paul talks to Timothy in Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 2 about becoming a generational disciple maker, pass on what I taught you to others who will teach and disciple others and so on. And um, <clears throat> you know, and then in chapter three, um, he wants to remind Timothy, <coughs> excuse me, of the fact that, that there are some very difficult days ahead for timothy and for all other believers and Mm -hmm. paul was kind of the the prime example of the difficult days that that would were to be ahead for Mm -hmm. disciples of jesus and certainly post paul you know in in the time of nero i mean it was unbelievable uh, some of the things that nero did to christ followers and then caligula did to christ followers i mean unbelievably terrible terrible things Um, and so there were some very very difficult days ahead but even for us we could look at that and say, well, there are, there are difficult days ahead for us. It is becoming more difficult in the Western world to live as a deeply devoted follower of Jesus who is trying to be a generational disciple maker. Mm-hmm. You know? And so um, when you look at that, that's kind of the snapshot of where we've been to this point. But again, take all of that and, and file it away or hold on to it because, again, Paul is doubling down in chapter 4, at least the first part of chapter 4, the first eight verses of chapter 4, on these things that he's already said to Timothy, guard what God has put in you. There are going to be difficult times ahead of you. Pass it on to others. I mean, this is is kind of the heart of Paul's message, even as he begins to wrap up um, his letter in chapter 4.
0: That's good. That's good. Okay, so with that in mind, where where'd you go this week? In this week's message, uh, Second yeah. Timothy chapter four.
1: Yeah. So um, so Paul begins this section really by again, like I said, it, it's kind of a doubling down on what he's already said. You know, so he starts off with this kind of exhortation. You know, Timothy, I, I want you to understand that there's a time that's coming. Um, when people won't listen to sound doctrine, but I want you to keep doing the things that I've called you to do. You keep preaching the Word. You keep being prepared in in and out of season. You correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience. You keep going after these things that I've already told you. And so, he comes back and he doubles down on the what, but before he gets to the what, he actually starts with talking about the why. Okay, so I think that's really important for, for us to kind of grab a hold of as, as it relates to this letter and the structure, especially this last chapter, these first eight verses in particular, is that the Apostle Paul has been telling Timothy, here's the what that I want you to do. I want you to fan, the, the, you know, the flame, fan into flame this, this spark that God has put in you. I want you, Timothy, to, to be passing on your faith to others and let it become kind of a wildfire as your flame spreads to others. You know, Timothy, I want you to know that the the tough times are coming, and I want you to stay faithful in these tough times. And so he he keeps talking about the what, and then it's almost like in chapter 4 he gets to this place where he realizes, you know, I need to give you the why behind the what. And we talked about that a little bit um, on Sunday morning. Um, I I read several years ago. I mean, it's been... um, you know, I, I would say probably eight eight or nine years ago, read uh, read a book by a guy named Simon Sinek, who is kind of a mm-hmm. leadership guru to some degree. Mm-hmm. And this is a, mm-hmm. a very well-known book with like more than a million copies sold. And so if you can say, yep. well, I sold more than a million copies, that's a pretty big deal, right? Yep. <laughs> so, um, so Simon Sinek, kind of a leadership guru, writes this book called Start With Why. And in there he kind of shares why the why is so important. And if we leave out the why, what we're missing. And so I, on Sunday morning, I shared this one principle out of this book that Cynic refers to as the golden circle. It's kind of what's inside us. You know, so if you think about you know, three circles, um, let's see, those are, is that concentric? Yeah. Yeah, concentric yeah. circles, right? So you've got you know the big circle, you've got a, another circle inside of that circle and another circle inside mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. circle. And on the outside, you've got what he calls what, on kind of the middle layer is what he calls how and at the inside, kind of that sweet spot is what he says is the why. And so, you know, he says a a lot of organizations, you know, again, he's more of an organizational leadership guru. He said almost every organization on the planet knows what they do. You know, it's the products they create and sell. It's the services they sell. You know, so when we come here on Sunday morning, We know what we do, right? We're going to get together. We're going to have a gathering. We're going to worship God together. um, We're going to have, you know, an order to that worship to some degree. There's going to be a message preached. There's going to be, you know, so we know on Sunday morning, just just saying Sunday morning, what we're going to do when we get (laughs) together. Um, You know, and he goes on to say that many organizations would know how they do what they do. Okay? So he says, some of them would know how they do it. These are the things that make them special or set them apart from their competition. So in other words, let's say there's a, there's a company that made paper. Okay? So there's a company that makes paper. Everybody knows they make paper. That's what they do. The company makes paper. There may be enough people there that know how they do what they do that they actually do it really well. And maybe they even have a secret. You know, so their paper is better than other paper because they do this special thing mm-hmm. with their mm-hmm. paper. They take a little bit more time. I, I don't know how paper is made, really. <laughs> so it comes from trees. It yeah. stinks really bad when it's at the paper mill. Um, and, you know, then they bleach it and then you, they put lines on it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, it. so whatever they do in the paper making process, is a horrible example, apparently, um, whatever they do in the paper making process, they do it better than someone else because they I got, was
0: thinking Chick-fil-A would be Chick-fil-A. like an example you could give Man, that's here. a much but better But let's continue one. with the paper.
1: No, no, <laughs> no. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is good, right? Because yeah, they, they do the chicken sandwich better than anybody else. And other people have the chicken sandwich and they're trying to copy it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'll just say, um, sad, sad attempts.
0: Popeyes has gotten real close. Is it good? Oh, it's good.
1: All right. I may have to side go try note. that. All right. Side note, Popeyes has gotten close, Ben says. Well, so, you know, whatever Chick-fil-A is doing in there, that how is their special mm-hmm. secret. I wouldn't say their special sauce, but uh, mm-hmm. there is a Chick-fil-A sauce. and So, maybe so the that what being the product
0: well. of the chicken they're making, the yeah. how, the process. The of,
1: process, how it's done.
0: And then that is an organization that really does have a firm why, right? With Chick-fil-A yeah, right. being an organization that does, I couldn't quite yes. repeat it to you, tell you yeah. what that is, but you see it quite evidently in the oh, way they serve. The fact that the everybody says, that, my pleasure. So yes. we don't just
1: want to give you a chicken sandwich. We want you to enjoy the experience yes. of being here at our restaurant, to feel like you were treated in a way that not only our chicken sandwich was special, but you were special while you were here kind of thing. You yeah. know, yeah. And so, yeah, the service, um, you know, truly with a smile, the my pleasure, thank you. Is there anything else I can get you? Obviously, there is a, a why driving the how and the what. Uh, of what they do at Chick-fil-A. There's no, d- no doubt about that. So uh, man, Chick-fil-A is going to owe us some serious royalties off of this one. Um, and so is our imaginary paper, paper company. Um, <laughs> but what Cynic says about this, he says, very few organizations know why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. But the ones that really know why they do what they do are different from others. Yeah. And he says this, bottom line, for any organization, even, I mean, money-making organizations, organizations that have to make money to stay afloat, he says, in the end, the why is not about making money. The why is because we want to help people have a better life. We want to help people enjoy their time when they're here. We want to fill in the why. The why is the passion behind the how and the what, right? So if you're lacking that passion Cynic would say, well, th- then you may still know the how and you may still know the what, but the heart is gone or the purpose really mm-hmm. is what he says. The why is the purpose. You know, it's the cause of the belief. It's in the end, the very reason your organization exists. And what he says is if your organization just exists to make money, that is not nearly a good enough why. Yeah. So you need a better why than that. And so, yeah. um, so the apostle paul throughout this th- these 8 verses really is giving timothy the why behind the what you know again mm-hmm. the what is stay faithful and so again the apostle paul is a great leader in this way um, you know reminding timothy why he does what he does because again the why gives timothy a purpose mm-hmm. the why gives timothy something to believe in it gives him a, a cause it lets him know you know the very reason that he's doing what he does, and and so I think that's that's really important for us to see, and for us to kind of pull apart, and we'll do that in just a minute. I think several of the whys that Paul gives um, to Timothy, but you know, I I get to the place sometimes where, you know, I I'm lacking in my passion for for something or for this work that we do. You know, I, th- I think about um, here's a here's a kind of a a fun example um you know my my whole life really i've enjoyed fishing i mean i i i can go fishing and it's like i I can forget about you know the the cares of the world for the most part for a while i can really detach unplug just love being out on the boat or standing on a bank throwing a lure tossing bait whatever um and when uh, when we lived in west virginia um 20 years ago now Um, When we lived in West Virginia, I met this guy who was a tournament fisherman, and so we started fishing some Saturday tournaments together. So we'd go, we'd drive to different places, you know, around the state of West Virginia. It was, you know, pretty local tournament circuit. Um, And I, I loved to fish, but as we started fishing tournaments and now there was pressure on, and you know, the what became really important, the why started to fade in importance. You know, the what was, we gotta win this tournament. How? We gotta catch the biggest fish. Why? Well, is it because we really wanna win this tournament? Or is it because, man, I still just, I love fishing. It's, it's a great release. It's a lot of, you know, there was, in fishing those tournaments, fishing became less and less fun for me, to the point that, I you know, we had, we had a boat at that point in time. My boat ended up sitting in the garage for about a year at one point, because I had lost, the passion for fishing. I lost my enjoyment in fishing because that time of fishing tournaments where we were so focused on the what and the how without the why, um, or our why was pretty superficial, really kind of sucked it out of me, you know, sucked out the the, the joy of uh, connected with fishing. And so, you know, I I think that's just kind of a pretty superficial example. The truth is this can actually happen to us in our faith, especially when things get tough. You know we see so many people falling away from faith because all they've been passed down is the what and the how and the why is not there Mm. you know i wonder with young people not not necessarily speaking here at grace chapel i think um i i think the work we do here with our youth is is fantastic and we've got a good track record as a church um to not see our young people fall away. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of the national studies that indicate, you know, these statistics, you know, they're quite dire. I wonder if it's because primarily what we've passed on to young people is the what and the how, Mm -hmm. but we completely left the why out, or we've not given them a solid enough why. That's good. Um, And and I wonder if many of us as Christ followers have a solid enough why. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's why this particular conversation is so important. So Seneca says that's about really this. Good. He says every organization needs to be reminded, or maybe needs to discover why they do what they do. Mm. And I think that's true for us, for us as followers of Jesus. It was true for Timothy that every now and then he needed to be reminded. Mm. I need to be reminded why I do what I do. So that's good. Um, so again, we, we can pull these things apart a little bit more and flesh out the Apostle Paul specific wise for yeah, Timothy. Yeah. Yeah. So le- um, but but yeah, I think that principle mm-hmm. I think is a good one.
0: Let's go there then. That's really good. Really good framing <clears throat> to dive into this. Um so we've been talking about a lot about the importance of knowing yeah. that. So let's talk about those specifics. Okay. What are what are some of those why's behind the what that Paul gives to Timothy?
1: Yeah, again, remember the what is already doubling down, so we already know the what Mm -hmm. and even some of the how. You know, I mean, Paul talks about the what and the how kind of together in this context. You know, keep on preaching. Don't stop that. Um, Rebuke and correct. I mean, all that. So that's the what. So if if we start to dig into the why, uh, the first why that the Apostle Paul gives Timothy is because Jesus is with you everywhere you go. You know, I mean, he starts by saying in, in 2 Timothy 4.1, he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, right? So in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, Timothy, you're in the presence of God, you're in the presence of Christ Jesus everywhere you go. Now, I, I wonder, you know, why Timothy needed to be reminded that. Well, probably the same reason that I need to be reminded of that from time to time. You know, I, I, can, I can move through my day, and especially if I'm having a difficult day, or if I've had multiple difficult days in a row, or if I'm struggling through something particular, I can get to that place where I start to question, where are you, God? Hmm. You know, yeah. God, where are you? Yeah. You know, where are, where are you in this moment? Why are you not doing more mm-hmm. in this moment? Whatever, how, however that looks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, our listeners, our viewers have been at a place where they've experienced that too, especially in the midst of difficulty. Yeah. We'll have that where are you God moment. Where Definitely. is God in all of this? You know, in, in, uh, in the circumstances of maybe a, a tragic or unexpected death and funeral, I often will do, I'll often have a section in there that speaks to where is God in all of this? Mm-hmm. You know, and so reminding people, you know, God, God is where you are. God is near to the brokenhearted. God binds up the wounds of the brokenhearted. I mean, so He's right, right there with you sometimes we don't feel that we don't feel that he's right there with us and especially we start to question because we have this idea in the back of our mind that well i'm following you jesus shouldn't everything be good now right Mm -hmm. and so uh so sometimes we need and timothy certainly needed that reminder timothy god is with you jesus christ is with you everywhere you go and maybe that's because timothy was about to face some difficulties himself or was already in the middle in the midst of facing those Difficulty. So the first, the first reason is this: that Jesus is with you everywhere you go. So that's your first why. He's here. He's here. So his presence ought to motivate us to do something different. Yeah, that's good. You know, um, good. you know, I, I can think about, um, you know, especially especially when I was younger, um, and and I, you know, I was called out on this a number of times. But it just kind of shows. It shows kind of our, our human tendency that we understand if, if God is with us everywhere we go, what that might move us to. But here's, here's the example. So, you know, I would act sometimes differently around different groups of people. Okay. Yep. Right? And so I would be in the presence of someone who maybe I wanted to impress, you know, especially if it was a girl or something mm-hmm, like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be in the presence of someone, and it would change the way I behaved, I had a very active why for my behavior. I wasn't running on cruise control in that moment, um, because I had something specific I was aiming for, or, you know, if I was in the presence of, you know, sometimes adults, well, I wanted to act real, real adult myself as well. And, you know, as a why. fellow
0: Enneagram type three, I you resonate get that far quite too well, well. Right? Yeah. Yes, so, yes. you know,
1: all, all, it's ENFs on the Myers-Briggs yes. or, um, yeah, so we, we definitely do that. and But, but it's human nature, too, yeah, to some yeah. degree, um, that for I sure. think just about everybody does that. There might be a few real rebels out there who, who don't, but uh, you know, they're always going to be themselves no matter what. Um, but most of us, when we're aware of someone's presence mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that person matters to us, will start to think about how we're engaging and acting. Um, you know, So I, you know, the question, I think, for me is, and maybe... Paul, by implication for Timothy, was, Timothy, if if you lived every moment as as if God was present with you right there in that very moment, would you live differently? Would you do things differently? Is that enough of a why for you? Paul goes on to say then, so the second reason, he says, um, because Jesus will return, and there is such a thing as judgment. You know, so he says, in view of His appearing... Right, so in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who will judge, and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing. So, uh, you know, scholars are divided on this a little bit. I think most that that I read leading up to this um, would take what to me seems like the natural reading that we're talking about His second coming, His <laughs> appearing, so almost <laughs> His reappearing. Um, but some actually lean to say, you know, this is in view of the incarnation. Mm-hmm. um so God becoming flesh so in view of the fact that God became flesh and made his dwelling place among okay. us um you know so that uh, there's there's power in that there's certainly a strong yeah. why in that um and there's a the whole coming makes <clears throat> sense
0: in the context of it does, talking the, of the last days yes uh, yeah in judgment
1: That's right yep so I think so too. I think the the more natural reading of this mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. is that this is speaking of his second coming which, You know kind of raises another question I mean if this is a why you know what what would my life look like if I lived every day in light of the fact that Jesus is going to return and I lived like this is the day that Jesus might come back Mm -hmm. I mean I have been waking up now these last several days you know and thinking okay how am I gonna live today if, how would I live today? What would I do differently than just if I was, you know, than, than my regular day just kind of going through the motions? What would I do differently if I believed that, that Jesus was going to return today? Um, and, man, it's tough because your, your actions take on such significance if you think that mm-hmm. way. Um, there are so many people that come to mind who I've not had maybe the next level faith conversation with that, I would want to have that conversation with right away. I mean, you know, there, there's there's a lot that, that that motivates and moves you too if you think about today, you know. So it's not just a, maybe a thinking about what you would do. It's also thinking about the things you wouldn't do. Like, what, what would I not waste my time on if I believe that, man, today Jesus is going to return? If I knew Jesus was coming back today, what would I not waste my time on? You know, so... I think in both of those scenarios, the things that we would do and then the things that we wouldn't do, so the positive and the negative, um, you can see that, that we would do things differently probably if we knew that today was the day. And then he goes beyond that and he says, <clears throat> because there, there is this thing, there is such a thing as judgment, which kind of doubles down on the significance of Jesus returning and maybe there being some people that... I've not had the next-level faith conversation with. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead, right? I mean, so that's the, the, these are significant words um, and certainly start to— I mean, there's a heavy why in all of what the Apostle Paul is saying to this point. So all of these things that he's been calling Timothy to, to, to endure, uh, to dig deeper into his faith, to keep on preaching, correcting, rebuking, Why? Why why should I do this? Where is my passion for doing this? What is motivating me to do this? Well, Timothy, because Jesus is with you everywhere you go. and, And he's, by the way, he's coming back. And there is such a thing as judgment. He will judge the living and the dead. And so, Timothy, you can make a difference in what that judgment looks like in not just the lives of those that you're connecting, but the lives that they will connect with. Because again, remember, Timothy, you're a generational disciple maker. And so we're going to see this thing grow, and people are going to come to know Jesus and obey Jesus, be faithful to Jesus through the work that you're doing. So don't give up on the what you're doing, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And then he, he moves on. In this section, he's got one more why that he wants to give Timothy. And this last one is this, is that because his kingdom, you know, so he says, in view of his appearing and his kingdom, and if we understand the idea of kingdom correctly, we understand that the kingdom is both a present and a coming reality, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the kingdom of God is is alive and active and we're supposed to be praying for it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right, Jesus says. And so if we can pray that your kingdom come And that your will be done on others in heaven we're talking about some way in which the kingdom is a very present reality it is a current thing the kingdom of God is a real and current thing so it's where the rule of God extends um, and extends more deeply now we know on some level the rule and reign of God extends everywhere Um, we know that the only only place that can resist the rule and reign of God in a sense is the human heart right and so (laughs) we want to see that rule and reign grow as well, to see people surrender and submit their lives to the real king. But then there's going to be a day where the kingdom is fully consummated, right? I mean, it's, it is forevermore the, the true reality. I mean, it's, there's you know, it, instead of existing as a, <clears throat> as, a, as a shadow in a sense, the real thing will become visible and present. And so those are the first three whys that he gives Timothy. And then he goes on, as we've already talked about just a little bit, he, he gives a few of the what's. You know, so he says in, uh, <clears throat> in, um, in 2 Timothy 4.2, he then goes on to the what and says, Preach the word. Be prepared in and out of season. So because of these whys, Timothy, I want you to do these things. Remember, Preach correct, rebuke, encourage. Do it with great patience and careful instruction. So all the things that he's already told Timothy, Mm -hmm. he's just restating them. And then he gives another why. So the first whys are kind of connected to to the eternal reality. Okay. Okay, so again, remember the first few whys. Jesus is with you everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. That's an eternal reality. Mm -hmm. Jesus is He's going to return. I mean, that, that's rooted in eternity, the judgment even. I mean, these yep. are things that are, that are uh, maybe tied directly to who Jesus is, the nature of God, and what God is going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So now he goes on to give him another why, and this next why is not connected to God and his nature. It's connected to people and the nature of human beings. Okay. Okay, if that okay. makes sense. So he goes on to say then, this is now in verse 3 of 2 Timothy 4, 3, he says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So his last why is because people, human beings, you know, he says a time will come um, the idea there in the Greek is that the time is already here. Like, here's this time that's 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 coming, but it's also already here <laughs> when people are going to trade myths for reality. In other words, they're going to be happy to make up things and trade what they make up for the truth. Okay. So um, just real quick, I'll give what, the definition that I gave on Sunday of what what I think a myth is in Paul's context. Okay, so this is my definition Um you can probably find better definitions, okay? So, <clears throat> but I think within the context, what Paul is saying is a myth is this kind of like narrative. It's a narrative concocted by someone who's trying to make sense of the world, okay? I think in a very gracious way, we could say that there are a lot of people who are genuinely trying to make sense of the world, and they are concocting myths, a story, a narrative to help them make sense of the world, but they're missing the mark. Okay, so that's the definition of myth, is a narrative concocted by someone who's trying to make sense of the world but has missed the mark. Now, it's very clear as well that there are people, as the Apostle Paul is walking through this section of text, who are concocting myths and their motives are not so pure, or not so good. They're not just trying to figure things out. They're intentionally misleading people. Okay, so they're intentionally distorting and twisting truth. But I think most people are just trying to figure out, how do I make sense of the world? Yeah. There are a few really, really rough, awful people who are trying to manipulate others. And, you know, okay, so that's true. Um, So, again, however you look at it, whatever reason, the myth has clearly missed the mark in in helping people make sense of the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Helping Mm -hmm. to explain the reality that we see. So, on the flip side of that, the Apostle Paul is saying there is a true story, there is this narrative that allows us to make sense of this life it's the story that we see conveyed in scripture i mean it's the story of a god who created a world it's the story of a god who loved the world that even though the people of this world fell and even though the people of this world turned their backs on him he won't turn their back on them and so he sent his son to prove just how much he loved them to set an example for them to win the victory that they could not win themselves I mean. All the narrative of scripture that, that is tied to the gospel, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but what Paul says is, people are willing to trade the truth for a myth, and then beyond that, they're willing to act as though the myth is true, which is which is crazy, right? I mean, if if you could see the truth, but you're willing to turn your back on the truth and embrace a myth, but people do this all the time. Yeah. You know, we do this all the time to explain. You know, I can think about, um, you know, a, a number of, so I'm a T- Tampa Bay Rays fan. Um, we, we went to the World Series, I think it was back in 2008, and um, we, we had pitched really well that whole season, our team did, and in the playoffs, we just kind of fell apart. Our pitching staff, did not the playoffs, we pitched really well all the way to the World Series. In the World Series, we kind of fell apart. Now, many of us as Rays fans concocted this narrative about umpires who couldn't call balls and strikes, who couldn't call, you know, out and safe at bases and other things. And there were all these reasons why we didn't win that World Series.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it had nothing to do with the reality that now, you know, I can see clearly um, 15 years later, we, we just didn't play as well as we needed to. Yeah. That yeah. was the truth. The myth was, boy, the umpires really stink, right? They were terrible. And we do this all the time in sports and we do this in other places in life. We're, we're trying to turn, you know, we're more comfortable with the myth because it allows us to avoid responsibility sometimes. And so I think that's actually uh, the reason why people concoct these myths in life sometimes. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not maybe as gracious as a take of a take, but, but I think it is probably the reason why many people live by a myth as opposed to living by the truth. And it's because to live by the truth, you have to embrace a life trajectory whose course is consistent with the truth, right? So if I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If I, if I believe there is a God, that demands something of me, that I live like there is a God. You know, but if I, if I can manufacture a myth that makes sense of life, then I get to control the course of life. I manufactured the myth. So I can now say, well, this is the why behind the what, behind the how. right? But if there's a God who, who exists, and if he gives me the why, then that also starts to impact the how and the what. So there's implications to this. So I think, again, to live by the truth, you have to embrace a trajectory, a life trajectory, whose course is consistent with the truth. And so I think a lot of people are comfortable um, and maybe even more than comfortable. I, I think about what, um, what Richard Dawkins said a number of years ago. Richard Dawkins, the famous, um, I think, um, evolutionary biologist, mm-hmm. um, he's written a number of books, um, is probably one of the most famous, um, they call him neo-atheist, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's considered one of the four horsemen of, of neo-atheism, um, <laughs> and so he said specifically one time, I don't want to believe in God, I will never, never believe in God because I don't want to believe in someone who can tell me what i have to do basically now that's a paraphrase but but that was the admission in that Mm -hmm. i don't want Mm -hmm. to believe that there is someone who can tell me um, what what i have to do and so i think there 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 are a lot of reasons that we will move past this and so paul is saying to timothy look here's the why because there are a lot of people timothy if you don't keep doing the what and the how the people that have traded the myth for reality will continue to believe the myth. And you've got to be there correcting, rebuking, exhorting, encouraging, calling people back to the truth and away from the myth. And so uh, again, just a real quick summary of those, because Jesus is with you everywhere you go, he will return. And there is such a thing as judgment because his kingdom is present present and coming reality. And no one can avoid that. And because people are I mean, they are just absolutely prone to trading myth for reality. So Timothy, don't forget the whys and the whats and the hows will mean so much more to you as you're living
0: those out. Mm, that's good, <clears throat> that's good. All right, so let, let's kind of start move this into some practical application. Okay. Kind of for our day, you, cl- you ended the message with yep. this statement that said, um, you said, Timothy, these last days will be difficult, but don't ever forget the why you do what you do. Yeah. So can you give us some specific application of what this might look like in the current cultural moment that we live in?
1: Yeah. So, so again, that's just my attempt at paraphrasing the Apostle Paul. You know, Timothy, the last days are going to be very mm-hmm. difficult, mm-hmm. so don't forget why you do what you do. Um, and I think the same message would be there for us. You know, yeah. Ben. Yeah man, we're going to be faced with some challenges. Don't forget why no. you do what you do. Apostle, the Apostle Paul would say the same to me. Paul, don't forget why you do what you do. Don't no. forget the why behind the what. Um, and so when I think of some of the, the difficulties for us kind of in our current cultural moment, um, what's interesting is that some of them aren't so different um, from the difficulties that, Timi- that Timothy was facing, you know, especially when you think back to um, what, what Paul said to Timothy, I think it was second uh, Timothy 3 he says for, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Again, that's the, the desire of trading this myth that feels more comfortable that um, you know is maybe easier mm-hmm. um, allows you to avoid the truth, whatever. Um, you, you know we live in a day where, where narrative, we're not unfamiliar with the idea of narrative. I mean, we'll say, well, so-and-so has a narrative or that's your narrative. You know, a narrative, often what we mean is a story you've concocted to explain what you're seeing. But but we all know it's not really true. Right. And so, um, you know, when I think about uh, some of the things in our current cultural moment and, and although we are kind of coming out of this, there's still so much influence of this first thing that that we got we got to speak about it just for a minute. Mm-hmm. but. Um, this idea, kind of the, what I've called the postmodern pose—I think others refer to it as that way too—or kind of the, you know, the lens through which we view the world when we embrace the ideas consistent with postmodernity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we can make up our own meaning in life, if we can define what our own truth is, you know, if we can make up our own purpose for living, um, that's kind of some of the, those are some of the ideas behind. Postmodernism, um, you do you is the classic kind of postmodern yep. statement, you know, and so um, the ideas of postmodernity definitely have a, a very different why, and therefore are going to end up with very different whats and hows than if we live a life mm-hmm. directly connected to uh, the why of God, and so um, we have to be honest and say certainly. The thought, the dominant cultural thought around us has an impact upon us, influences us. We, we did a whole series about that to begin this year um, called Clay. And so you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want to drill down a little bit more deeper, uh, more deeply into that. Um, but certainly postmodernity, modernity we, we've got to talk about that. And so... Um, The second thing I'd say, and and these are just some things that kind of came to me off the top of my head um, as as I was preparing for for our conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing that I see very real, again, where where the days are very difficult. So it can be ideologically, and then it can be, you know, pushing against specific what's. Um, And in this one in in particular, there's a real strong push against Christian sexual ethics right now. Mm -hmm. Um, we did a whole series on, these, on that just recently. And so maybe why that, that's why that's kind of fresh um, in, in my mind right now. But uh, to hold to the Christian sexual ethic, even going back to when I was in high school, could get you made fun of, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, today, it can make you not just the, the subject of kind of teasing, but of real ridicule oh, yeah. and of maybe yes. scorn.
0: Cancelled, um, shut down.
1: Cancelled, yeah. shut down. All that exactly. So difficult times ahead. So don't forget the why. Yeah. You know, if you got if you got the why, and you're holding on tightly to the why, then the what and the how kind of flow naturally out of that, mm-hmm. right? And so, mm-hmm. um, another one that we talked about uh, earlier this year, but is often kind of neglected, even in Christian circles. In fact, in Christian circles, sometimes this idea can be elevated and almost put on par yeah. with. The biblical why you have the american why you know the chasing after the american dream and i know all of us wants to be all of us want to be comfortable we all want to be successful we all want to have you know a a nice little house with a white picket fence a dog in the yard and you know 2.3 kids in the house right you know i mean we all want that kind of thing to some degree you know i forgot the cars in the driveways right you know um we all want that to some degree because that's what that's what exists around us that's what others have and we feel less than others if we don't have that thing and so the pull of the american dream um the impact of that i think cannot be understated Mm -hmm. and and we can't neglect and ignore that either Mm -hmm. because it can move us to the kind of people that become you know sometimes a little bit greedy um sometimes valuing the things of this world more than we value the things of jesus you know it can move us to be the kind of people who aren't quick to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. But we're a lot more like the rich young ruler who, when asked to leave our things behind to follow Jesus, we go away sadly because we have so much. You know? yeah. um, we talked last week about um, you know, the fact that we're, we're going to be relocating uh, to Florida in, in this summer. Um, and as we start to clean out our house, one of the things that I look around and notice is, man, we've got so much. And what you often finish that with is we've got so much junk or so much stuff right Mm -hmm. but the reality is we have so much nice stuff too you know it's just we have so much yeah we've gathered so much we've accumulated so much and um you know sometimes it takes a little bit of a shaking up to to clean things out and Mm -hmm. get rid of Mm -hmm. some of those things that there's no reason to have and we should take that second tunic and and share it with someone else well we don't have tunics today but you know but if i've got a a closet full of clothes And I'm only wearing half of them. Why do I have the other half? Yeah. You know, why do I have that half? Why am I not giving that away so that somebody else can make use of those things, right? And I think it's because, again, we've been shaped by our culture around us. Mm -hmm. And then just this one more, more general. um, The last one that came to mind is the kind of the shaping power of so many other that are what I'd call non-Jesus influences um, that that aren't necessarily bad but they definitely aren't moving us deeper into relationship with him either. Right. And so it can be things of media. It can be, um, you know, it could be music. It could be, you know, television. It could be, I mean, all these different things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it could be a hobby. It could be, you know, again, all these different things that, that aren't necessarily bad. They certainly aren't in and of themselves bad, mm-hmm. but they may be consuming our time to the point, And maybe that's, that's one thing, you know, the, another thing that we could add to the list is, is we're so busy, but we're so busy because of these things. We're so yeah. busy because of all our stuff. We're so busy because of, you know, so all these non-Jesus influences that aren't necessarily bad but aren't moving us deeper into relationship with Him either. It's what the you know, Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 where he says, you know, all things are permissible, and he's borrowing what many believe was kind of a, a statement in culture or a kind of a saying in his culture you know so all things are permissible i can do whatever i want basically um you know and we say that in the united states too i have the right to do whatever i want to do except you don't have the right to do whatever you want to do because there are a lot of things that if you do them you'll wind up in jail um but you know but paul is saying all things are permissible kind of quoting this saying saying and he says but but especially for us christians we, we should realize that they're not all beneficial right yeah. Yeah. So yeah, sure, you could do whatever you want, but, but it's not all beneficial. And so the doing those things and the influencing power and the shaping power in our lives, we can't neglect to speak to that either yeah. uh, because there are so many things that are just distractions. And so even there, the Apostle Paul would say, don't forget the why behind the what because that will refine... I mean, if you go and look at your calendar, it'll refine your calendar. There's no doubt about it. And so yeah. those are just a few things to think through. And, and I'm sure that's there good. are plenty other kind of things in our cultural moment we could pull out. Um, but but those are, I think, four, four good starting points anyway.
0: So then as <clears throat> we land the ship, how do we practice what we've learned to be faithful in Jesus?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's been the heart of this podcast. Um, is that we could take the things that we've learned and say, what is that one thing I could do yep. that would help me walk more faithfully with Jesus? You know, so again, the acknowledgement, that practice does not make perfect. We're not, we're not going to be perfect, but Jesus does say, you know, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, right? And so we're shooting for, we're setting the right target. Mm-hmm. We want to set the right mm-hmm. target. We don't want to set any... Any lesser target, we want to say, I want to be just like Jesus. So if I want to be like Jesus, uh, what will I do? If I want to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy, what will I do so that I can put something into practice and be more faithful? Well, I think this is a, this is a take stock kind of moment. Um, if the Apostle Paul is right, if even the leadership guru, guru Simon Sinek is right, that the why matters more than the how and the what sometimes we have to come back and say what is my why I
2: mean
1: what why am I doing the things that I do you know one of the things uh, we said kind of early in my time here if if we don't know why we do what we do we better figure out why we do it or we better just stop doing it
2: Hmm.
1: right so even kind of a leadership value in that we, we need to know why we do what we do and if we've got something we're just doing and we don't know why, then actually maybe we should stop doing it. Yeah. You know. And so I think that that's a good question or a good thing to wrestle with. Why do you do what you do? Can you find an answer to it? Mm-hmm. Can you maybe rediscover the answer to it? And if you don't know why you're doing that thing, maybe don't do it anymore. If it's a good thing, maybe you should actually keep doing it and you should find out why you're doing yeah. it. so that the passion is with it that the purpose is with it and so i think this is a good place to kind of take stock uh, on that side and then also to to kind of examine you know again as we were talking about kind of our culture our cultural moment we are all people who to some degree or another are products of the culture around us so i think it's a really good thing to stop and take stock there as well and say how is the culture around me shaping and influencing me and actually distorting the why that is connected to the truth. You know, where have I believed the myth? Where have I been more comfortable where the myth, with the myth? Where have I maybe even desired the myth because the mm-hmm. truth, I felt like the truth asked too much of me. Well, if you feel like the truth is asking too much of you, it's because you don't get the why deeply enough, right? If we get the why deeply enough, you know, if the, if the rich young ruler had gotten the why deeply enough, why? Why would I give up all of this? Because I get to follow Jesus. I mean, I get to walk with Jesus in the flesh. I can be yeah. Yeah. one of his followers. If I'll leave all this behind, if he really would have understood that, what he was chasing after was something different. Mm-hmm. Tell me what I gotta do to earn, earn eternal life. Mm-hmm. Tell mm-hmm. me what I gotta do. Can I, can I just keep all the commandments? I've, I've kept them all since I, was, since I was young. Can I do that? And Jesus says, no, come follow me. You get to come follow me. And that's what this could look like. You get to walk with me step by step. He missed that completely. He wanted the security of just being able to do enough of the right things instead of being able to come and follow Jesus. And out of that, his life, then the what and the how would be shaped by the why. I get to follow Jesus. You know, so I think many of us have probably suffered a little bit on some level there too. And so I think a, a quick examination of what is the why for me? Is it shaping the what and the how? Um, and how have I been shaped by other wise, other reasons for living, um, because of the cultural moment in which we live? So I'd say that those those would be kind of the challenges for for what to think through, and and then watch that change. Yeah, the things you do, watch that restore the passion to the things you do. Um, you know, especially if they're good and right things.
0: Excellent. Thank you for sharing that, Paul. Well. As we wrap up, as we mm-hmm. already said, today was the final episode of season three. Um, and it also may be the final, uh, the series finale yeah. of Practice Makes Faithful. Um, so we're still a little unsure of what yeah. the future may or may not look like for this podcast. Certainly, with as you referenced with your move coming up this mm-hmm. summer, it is definitely, this is the end in this current format for sure. Right. And yes. then we're going to be exploring, having conversations on if it may be practical to do anything else in the future. Right. So um, stay tuned for that. But I guess I would just ask, as we as we wrap up this final episode, what would you? Is there any any closing words that you would have from this podcast as all?
1: Yeah. Um you know, again, just coming back to that original desire um, uh, when we began this podcast, now three complete seasons, um, just just the heart behind it was to, to take the things that we were learning here on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. to flesh them out further, and then to help people who were listening, to, to help ourselves as well, to find that one thing we could do that would move us deeper into relationship with Jesus that week. You know, oftentimes, um, you know, certainly there's the shaping influence of God at work in us that can do amazing things really quickly. But as we work together with the Holy Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body, to walk more faithfully with Him, mm-hmm. um, that's a process. And that's a sa- sanctification, in a sense, takes a long time. You know, so justification comes instantly, sanctification takes some time. And so, what we've wanted to do is, is break things down into just bite-sized chunks. You yeah. know? So yeah. if, for me, if I want to become more like Jesus, well, that's, trying, that's like trying to eat an elephant, right? And so the old saying, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time. And so what we've tried to do is give people just one bite at a time. And so I would encourage folks, as we sometimes get frustrated with ourselves, even discouraged in our Christian walk, to just keep going one bite at a time. You know, don't, don't try to bite off more than you can chew because that in itself is discouraging. But keep taking that one thing that you can do today or that one thing that you can do every day this week so that it becomes the thing that you did for a whole week that moves yeah. you to yeah. walk more faithfully with Jesus. And I'll tell you what, it's amazing. I mean, there's a real principle at work in that. You know, if you want to become more disciplined in any area of life, Start with one thing, become deeply committed to that one thing. Once you've mastered that one thing, add another thing to it, and you'll be amazed, maybe not right in that moment, but certainly as the days and the weeks and the months and the years go by, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: how much you are changed and transformed. You know, Mm -hmm. so that two years, five years, 10 years from now, you are not the same person. You're not walking with Jesus as closely as you were 10 years ago. You're much more closely walking with Him uh, than you were previously because you have taken that one thing and let practice make faithfulness. Um, Again, practice not making perfect in this sense, but practice making you faithful. And so keep allowing practice to make you faithful. That would be my challenge.
0: And I love that. And I know one thing I've taken out of this podcast, these conversations have been so helpful for Mm. myself to flesh out a lot of our messages, but just that question that we ask every week, mm-hmm. how can we practice what we've learned to be faithful to Jesus? Yep. I've used that in my small group numerous times. Yeah. We've used that in the youth ministry. That's yes. a question that I'll use as a filter when I'm listening to a message. Mm-hmm. And I challenge you to take that, take that question with you. Yeah. Use that in your own group settings and like keep keep asking that. How can I yes. practice this to be faithful? And I love, I, I just love the heart behind that of mm. faithfulness to Jesus, of yeah. Um, that is, that's our why. Or, Amen. Sorry, that is, we want to be faithful. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yes. Excellent. Um, I will also just say, as we close here, is um, continue. We really appreciate. Feedback. If you have any thoughts for us in the future, any ideas you might pitch, let us know. Also, just speaking to our Grace Chapel people, man, I would love, I think this has been a really beneficial resource Mm -hmm. for having something to reconnect midweek with our messages. And it's something I would love to continue Mm -hmm. in some format. It may look different than this podcast format, but... um, so it is something I want to explore with uh, whoever is speaking here mm-hmm. in the future. So um, just keep that in mind. Let me know if you have any thoughts. Feel free to reach out at any point. But we, uh, we appreciate y'all. Mm-hmm. And have a great week. And uh, still stay tuned for any future yep. updates.
1: Yep. Enjoy your summer.
0: All right. God bless y'all.